We're going to turn to the book of John. I'm going to kind of set this up. But thank you, brother. But, uh, oh yeah, might need that, huh? Um, turn to the book of John. Like I said, I'm going to set this up, and then we'll, we'll um, unpack several, several verses, several pieces of Scripture that I think are going to be pivotal uh, during this time. You know, uh, Jesus, after the resurrection, appeared several times to disciples, to groups of people, to small groups of people, large groups of people. And in doing so, he made one thing really clear, that it's better for me that I leave. He actually said that before he even died. He said, it's better for me that I leave. You know, if you look at um, John chapter 16, we're going to look at several different places in the book of John, but let's look at fir- first at John chapter 16. In verse 7, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. If you have a digital Bible, you can highlight the whole scripture. But if you have a a paper Bible, uh, I would underline, underscore, highlight, circle the word helper. You might have, depending on your translation, it might be something uh, slightly different. But that word helper. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. You know, we have to... You know, God's systems are way better than ours. Can you say amen? His systems are so much better than ours. When God designs something, He designs it not just with the very... We're very present-minded. We're like right now human beings. We're right now culture and... and We're not just right now like living in the moment. We're right now. We want it right now. We want everything right now. If you have to wait in a line, the line's too long. If you have to wait for something to download, the internet's too slow. Does anyone remember dial-up? Are you even old enough to remember dial-up? Okay. I didn't know. My sister-in-law is here today, Jenny. Jenny actually sang worship during our very first Sunday when we launched the church, so... You know, I remember dial-up. Dial-up was absolutely miserable. It was miserable. You'd have to wait forever just to get connected. And there was no guarantee you'd be connected. It'd make all those weird sounds and noises. And then you were doing all that. If you were me, you were just trying to get on AOL Instant Messenger. Just to see what your friends are doing. You just saw them five minutes ago at school, but now you got to get on. And we do the same thing now on our cell phones. And, and what's interesting about today's climate, not so much my generation or older, but definitely like people that are a few years younger than me and all, they, they actually have an anxiety. I forget the name of it, but there's like a, a clinical diagnosis for, um, this is real, for when you uh, send a text message and you don't get immediate response. They like feel some sort of way. Now, I mean, I don't really have a problem with that. If I send you a text, I'm not worried. If you don't text me back right away, maybe you got something going on. Maybe it's cell service or whatever. But that, like, if you're not careful, if you feel that way, when you send a text and someone doesn't respond right away, you start playing games in your head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You start thinking, well, maybe they didn't like what I said. And then you'll send another preemptive text, re-clarifying what you just said. Has anybody else done this? 
I don't have that real anxiety, but I have done that where I've sent a text and I thought, you know, maybe I should re-clarify. And then three or four texts later, I'm like, okay, they, obviously they're just busy. They're just busy. They'll get back to me when they get back to me. You know, we want things right now. The thing about uh, right now mentality is that sometimes you miss what God's working on. You miss what God's doing, what God's developing, how God is, is working things out, how either he's working on you or working on someone else or working on uh, uh, the situation. God works things out. Romans 8.28 tells us, for God works all things for the good. He works all things for the good. He doesn't work things for the bad. Can you say amen? He works things for the good. There's not a, 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 an avenue that God's working where it's going to end up bad for you. If, God's, if you think God's working something out, and it's, and it's or, or let, let me say it this way, if something worked out for you and it's bad, that wasn't God. That was either the situation unfolded that way, or maybe the devil interjected himself some way, or maybe... Nobody likes this part, but maybe we interjected ourselves in some way and we messed it up. But in some way, shape, or form, that's not God. Because the Bible tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above who does not change like shifting shadows. Can you say amen? We serve a God who doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he said he's good, he's good. Amen? So he's working things out. Now, what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Because when Jesus was saying all this, he recognized, he knew what he came to do. Let me say it that way. He knew he came to die. He knew what was about to happen. He knew everything that, 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 that they thought the, the kingdom of Israel and what the Messiah was going to do. He knew he was about to flip all that on its head and it wasn't going to make any sense. And he was trying to let him know, if I go away, it's for a purpose. I've got to go away. So he says here, look, are you still there in John 16 verse? We started in verse 7, and now we're going to jump down a little bit. He says, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin or and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now notice this next verse, verse 12. Notice this. I still have many things to say to you. Now this is Jesus Christ. He's walking on the earth. He's all God, all man. Very God, very man. And he says, I, I have so much in me that I can't get it all to you. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, we're in the 16th chapter, but back in chapter 1 it says the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, that's talking about Jesus. He is all of God's Word in bodily form, and he's saying, I've got so much to say to you, I can't get it all out in 33 years. I can't say it all. I can't get it all to you. But then he says... He actually clarifies, also, not only can I not say it to you, but if I did tell you everything I need to tell you, you can't even bear it. I have so many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Do you know why they couldn't bear it? Two reasons. Number one, 
they didn't understand the fullness of what Jesus came to do. But number two, they didn't really understand that because he hadn't died yet. And his death, burial, and resurrection solidified that he was the Christ, and it also released the Holy Spirit. By them believing on Jesus, they became the first Christians. Their spirits became available to to receive. Everybody say receive. It's going to be a big word for us today, receive. To receive the Holy Spirit. To receive what Jesus was trying to get to them. They couldn't bear it because literally, physically, spiritually, every way, they were not ready for what was about to happen. Now notice this. However, when he, I would also underline or circle this word. Bring your attention to this word. So we see the word helper. In the background, you can't see it right now because there's a a verse up there, but you'll see it throughout the the season that we're in. We have a a dove. The dove is a representation of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is a he. He, when he, when he, when he, look at it. Do you see it there in your Bible? When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. This is another, there's several places all throughout the Bible, but where it helps clarify how you have God functioning as three parts. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So you have Jesus himself standing there in the flesh, talking about the Spirit of God who's to come, and part of his function, talking all about how the Father, the Heavenly Father, made it all happen, and he's the one that's given them everything to do what they're called to do. Or that their, their function was to do. Does that make sense? You have to understand these things about the Holy Spirit. You know, in order to live the, the, the best life that you can live here on earth, you need the Holy Spirit. You need Him to function in your life. You need Him to, to um, you know, not just be uh, like a little dove-like ethereal figure. Well, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but you're not acquainted with Him. That, that won't work. We have a saying that we like to, to use a lot. If we didn't need the Holy Spirit, why did God send him? If we didn't need him, why did God send him? Why would God go through all this? I mean, a lot of people are of the belief, well, salvation is enough. Well, if you want to die today, then sure, salvation is enough. But if you want to live here on earth, I cannot live without the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you the truth. I would, I would rather God just take me. I'm serious. If I can't have the Holy Spirit to help me, because it's, it's like we, we, we have this misunderstanding, or, uh, or I don't even know if it's a misunderstanding, but a lack of development and understanding of, of the person and function of the Holy Spirit. And part of what I want to do during this season, we're going to cover this all the way up to Pentecost Sunday. And part of what I want to do in in covering all this is really kind of twofold. Number one, I want to unpack who he is, who is the Holy Spirit, 
What does he do? What's his function? What's, it all, what, what's that all about? But then I also, I want to help all of us understand how can we have the Holy Spirit move and function in our life at the highest level? Like, how can, for, for, for me to say that, that might have even shocked you. Pastor JT said he cannot live without the Holy Spirit. And you might be asking, well, then how do I live with him? I want to answer that question. How do you live with the Holy Spirit? Throughout uh, the New Testament, you'll see Paul and the different writers of the New Testament, they'll say things like, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Well, okay, I understand walking by faith because that means I, I trust what I cannot see. I trust in the Word of God. I allow it to, to uh, build the principles in my life and I walk on those. Okay, I get that. But how do I walk in the Spirit? I want to help answer that question. I want to help answer, how do I let the Holy Spirit... You heard that word guide just a second ago in John 16. He will guide you in all truth. How does he guide me? How am I guided by the Spirit? Yesterday, like I told you, well, actually Friday and Saturday, we took a trip up to Clemson. We went to the football game and everything. They had a spring game. Um, I used the GPS the whole time. Now, what, what was interesting is as I was driving, using the GPS, we have... Um, I have an iPhone with the, that's called MagSafe, so I, I put it right there on the dash, so the, the GPS is right by the steering wheel, and I, I, I can follow the, 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 the map, the blue line. I really like the blue line. Does anyone else just follow, I'm curious, I really want you to raise your hand, does anybody else follow just the voice like you don't like to see it, you just want to hear it? Okay, a few of you. That's kind of how my wife is. And every once in a while, we'll get in a little, uh, a little debate about the GPS, because she likes to hear, she doesn't want to just hear this direction. She wants to hear two or three directions in advance. She wants to know, like, not just, all right, I'm, I'm going to turn right in 33 miles, but then what am I doing after that? Well, I don't need to know that until I turn right in 33 miles. <laughs> Amen? She wants to know. She likes the information. I'm not like that. So every once in a while, she'll try to give me directions, and, and, and she'll say, all right, well, in, a, in a mile and a half, you need to turn left um, or, or whatever on such and such street. Okay, I got the information, but I'm just driving. Two, three miles later, I'm like, hey, babe, where was I supposed to turn left? And then she'll look at it. She's like, oh, my gosh, it's back there. So we've come in agreement that if I'm driving, it's better to have the mag safe, put it right there on the dash, and just let me see it. I literally, I don't even have the voice turned on. I went into settings and turned the voice off. I don't need Siri yelling at me. I just want to see it. I just want to see it. But however the Lord guides you, it's important for you to recognize what works for you and how the Lord speaks to you and how you hear it. Amen? It might be different for you how the GPS works for you and how it doesn't. The other thing that I thought about this weekend with the GPS is I remember because I, I, I went to Clemson. I was a Clemson student um, for five years. Not because I really liked going, because it was a five-year major. For everybody that did a quick judge of me, oh, yeah, he... Took full advantage of that one. Actually, it was supposed to be a five-year major. I didn't need the GPS. Now, this time I did because I haven't been in, you know, however many years. I, I don't remember exactly where to go or what the name of the streets were. I recognized it as I was driving. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Like, I, I needed the GPS today, but back when I, when I was so in tune with those roads... So in tune with the directions, I knew how we stayed in Greenville and we drove over to Clemson. 
I made that drive all the time when I was a student. I didn't need a GPS. I just went. I had it in my heart, so to speak, or in my mind. But I, I had it in there. I just knew. You get on 123, you go down, you turn left. I, I knew. I knew how to get there. But this time, I needed the GPS. Sometimes we get out of step with the Holy Spirit, and we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded how he speaks how we listen, and how to get back in step with Him. And, and when, you, when you realize the importance of, okay, God is not just only up in heaven. He is God the Father. He's not just Jesus who came in flesh and who's now sitting in the right hand of the Father. That is also a part of God. But we have God the Spirit who lives and resides in here and who has a sevenfold function that He wants to work in your life every single day. Let's look at that in John 14, back two chapters. There's a word here, and um, if you guys will help me out with the screens, I forgot to prepare you for this one, but we're going to look at this in the Amplified. John 14, verses 15 and 16. Verse 15, I quote a lot. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But then right after that, Jesus, again, or actually this would be one of the first times he talks about the Holy Spirit who was to come. He was setting them up. He was explaining who's coming, why is he coming, and what's going to happen. Now, the disciples, or at least most of them, and several others, witnessed Jesus being baptized. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came like a dove and fell on Jesus. Everybody say, like a dove. That's why we have a dove on the screen. Again, to clarify, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. He came like a dove. It's a representation of the Spirit. All right? He came like a dove. Here, Jesus is almost explaining, I know you saw the Spirit of God come on me, and I know you've seen Him work in me, and I've been working miracles, but I want you to understand who the Helper is that's going to come. And this word, paraclete, that, they, that he used to describe the Holy Spirit, in the Amplified, it actually gives you all seven definitions. Look at the next verse, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, here we see it again, Jesus in the flesh, asking the Father to send another comforter. Everybody say comforter. Your translation might say the same word I had you circle before, helper. All right? And that word helper or comforter has seven meanings. We're going to rattle them off, and the Amplified is going to break it down for us right here. Ready? So what does that word mean? Well, there's the first one. Say it again. Say comforter. Then you have number two. Say counselor. Then you have the word I just mentioned. Say helper. Then number four. Say intercessor. Number five. Say advocate. Number six. Say strengthener. And number seven. Say standby that he may remain with you forever. So that is, in a nutshell, the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit. Who is he as a person? If I were to describe you, I would have a description for you. But let's say maybe you just started coming to the church. You've only been coming for a few weeks or a few months, and I don't know you that well. I would have a very limited, can you say amen? Very limited description of who you are. Well, um, they're really nice. And um, they, they dress well. 
they have uh, glasses or they don't have glasses, they have dark hair, light hair, whatever. Brother Lee, he has no hair. I might have just a very superficial definition or description of you. But if I were to ask your mama, could you tell me about your child? She would probably talk my ear off through lunch, dinner, write me a book and an email later. Hey, I forgot a few things. Here's some other things about them, right? Because they know their children. They know, they know. This is Jesus giving us a description of the Holy Spirit because he knows him. He knows what he is capable of doing. When he used the word paraclete, this was not just a, 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 a haphazard word. This was a word to really describe, here's what you can expect. Here's what you can count on from the Spirit. And then two chapters later, he says, it's better for you that I go. And he brings back that description. He says, so that the helper will come. So he's, he's saying, what is he going to do for you? Well, he's going to comfort you. He's going to counsel you. He's going to help you. He's going to advocate for you. He's going to strengthen you. Amen? He's going to stand by you. You know, after all of these things, I think it's pretty interesting the seventh one to stand by. You know, I mean, out of everything that the Holy Spirit is described to be, He's always there and always ready. He's always there and always ready. So then, before I get into uh, unpacking all of these things, of, 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 I want to kind of take over the different weeks and look at each of these words. We're going to talk about uh, other places in Scripture that describe them. I want to deal with something else in our remaining time today. That, that, that oh, how do I say this? Like, if, if you want to have the fullness of, of the, the, the Spirit operating in your life, you have to recognize when the Holy Spirit was given, He was given then. When Jesus told the uh, disciples, when He told them, hey, uh, I, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Everybody say the word tarry. When He told them to tarry, He was not telling them to tarry because uh, that was the key to receiving the Holy Spirit. He was telling them to tarry because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. Do you understand? So, let me show you this. Now, uh, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. This is Peter on the day of Pentecost. He's preaching a sermon, more or less, to everyone who was asking what just happened. The day of Pentecost just occurred. There was a big, a big sound, big loud rushing wind. Holy Spirit poured out. People praying in tongues, in the, speaking in tongues in the streets. And uh, everyone was perplexed. He's explaining that when Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God, this is Acts 2.33, he was received from the Father, or or, sorry, uh, we having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So Jesus, notice that he received from the Father 
the promise of the Holy Spirit, then he, Jesus, poured out the Spirit on them. A few verses later in verse 39. For this promise, talking about the Holy Spirit, is to you. Everybody say, that's me. To you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, to anyone who says, okay, well, I understand the Holy Spirit comes, but how do I know that he fills people with the Spirit? Because that's a word that we're going to, a wording that we're going to use. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, the, and, and the precursor verses to this in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So, okay, how do we go from having the Holy Spirit inside of us to being filled with Him to overflowing? To overflowing to the point that we speak in tongues. How does that happen? How does that occur? And is that for me? I think that's a question that most people ask. Is that for me? Peter's literally describing this promise. Notice in verse 33, what did he say? Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God. He received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then he poured out this which you now see and hear. There's tangible results. The filling of the Holy Spirit, there are tangible results. You see and hear it. You look different. Or you act different, I should say. You sound different. You talk different. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, there's something that happens from the inside and it begins to change the outside. You, you, you talk different because coming out of you, Jesus said he was standing at the festival and he stood up and he said, uh, uh, talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit, he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. How does living water flow out of you? Well, it first has to be put in you. You have to receive it. All right, so I want you to catch this. Look at uh, Acts 19, verse 2. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive? Everyone say receive. receive. Did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now notice what's happening here. He went up uh, while he was at Apollos at Corinth. Sorry, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper regions. He came to Ephesus and he found some, everyone say disciples. Okay, now let me ask you this. If Paul found disciples, if he found believers, what's a disciple? A student of Jesus Christ. If he found disciples there, then that means they already believed in Jesus. Then he asked them, when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? I want you to highlight that word receive. Did you receive? See, there's a receiving that happens on our end. If I were to say, hey, I've got $1,000 for you. I've got $1,000. It's yours. It's in your name. It's such and such bank account. Here's the bank account number. Here's the bank. Here's all the information. It's $1,000. It's yours. Now, technically, you have it, but have you received it? You have to go to the bank. 
and get the money out or get a debit card so that you can use it or get a checkbook so that you can cash it. You haven't received it. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And then they said, this blows my mind. We have not even so much as heard there was a Holy Spirit. That sounds like some of us. Not like us in this room, but some of the, the church. I, I talk to people all the time, and they're like, I, I actually talked to a pastor in this city right when we started the church. We had, uh, we were, I was doing a, like an event, like a public event, and, uh, and he was asking me questions. And I don't know how he knew I believed in the Holy Spirit. I mean, unless he had already looked us up or something. I have no idea. We just met that day. And he said, do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, actually, I do. That's, yeah, that's a big part of what we believe in. He said, that's great. So you believe in, in practice speaking in tongues? I said, actually, I do. Yeah. And he said, man, he said, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I said, well, what don't you know? He said it just like this. He said, well, I just, no one's taught me anything about it. And, and when I read, I've read, I've tried to read those parts of the Bible, but I don't understand it. And so I, he, he said this to me face to face. I would tell you the name of the church but I don't want to put them on blast. He said, because of that, I don't teach it and I don't talk about it. This, is, this has been going on for 2,000 years. Paul shows up and says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Have you ever, has anybody traveled abroad? Like traveled around? Like when you travel around the world, it's really cool when you see another American. I don't know why, but it's really cool. Like, it, it's like, like one of the, like, uh, like, you just like, hey, like you can like, when everyone's speaking in Spanish, and all of a sudden you hear like a, a good country southern twang, like you could pick that out a mile away. Like somebody's talking to you like, wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. Oh, there he is. See him? Cowboy boots. There he is. American. Got him. I mean, you could just spot him. Now, when, when that would happen to me, I studied abroad, and uh, I was there in Barcelona, and we traveled all around Spain. We there, I was there for like four months, and I'm not joking. It was really like that. Whenever I would run into an American, uh, I mean, we, we all of a sudden were like best friends. I mean, it didn't matter what we talked. I mean, like literally, I could have never seen him before, never seen him again after, but for those few moments, man, oh, really? You're from Montana? I've seen that on a map. Dude, I love Montana. That's great. I, maybe I'll go there one day. What should I do in Montana? Like, whatever. Like, we're just like, like best friends. He sees believers, sees disciples, and the first thing he asked them, think about how important that was to Paul. The value he had of, of the Holy Spirit. And if you read the book of Acts, especially the latter part, you'll see how pivotal it was because Paul was just making moves. And the Bible talks about one time that he was going to Asia and as he was going to Asia, the Holy Spirit told him not to go to Asia and to go somewhere else. He knew the value of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was guiding him all throughout the, the whole, all those countries, all those places. And so when he finds somebody, he knows, hey, you need what I have. You need the Holy Spirit to lead you. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you. 
Yes, you need God the Father in heaven. Yes, you need Jesus. Jesus had to come. He had to die on the cross. But your relationship with God the Father and God the Son happens through the person of the Holy Spirit who lives and resides in here. And when he fills you up to overflowing, it not only comforts you and counsels you, he not only advocates for you, but he strengthens you, helps you, and he will cause you to live a better life while you're here on earth. He knew this is, you've got to have, how have you not had the, I can almost hear, how, how have you not had the Holy Spirit? What's wrong with you? That's my paraphrase. But I just feel like that's how he was like. So then what happened? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard of his Holy Spirit. So the, the, the emphasis here, notice this, isn't on God's given, giving. The emphasis was on man's receiving. The point I'm actually trying to make here, if you haven't picked it up, is that the Holy Spirit was given 2,000 years ago. On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus died or after he rose from the grave, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. You and I receive him. And you and I are the ones that allow him to guide us, allow him to comfort us, allow him to help us, allow him to counsel us, allow him to advocate for us, Allow him to strengthen us, or we don't. We have to do the receiving. I, 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 I know that's hard, and I, sometimes I think that sometimes I'm too tough. But I, I think I'm tough on myself, you know. And I hear so I'm not trying to beat anybody up. So if that really like pricked you, I want to help you out. The Bible says that the word of God was given for reproof and for rebuke. And part of, of what happens sometimes when the word comes alive is there's a pricking. That's not condemnation. It's not to make you feel bad. It's so that you have a motivation from the inside that, you know what, I can do better with that. This is for me. So I, I'm trying to not make you feel bad, but to inspire you that there's a helper. There's a counselor. There's a, an advocate. And, and here's the best part. There, he was given 2,000 years ago. He was provided as, an, as, a, as a paraclete, as a helper to live with you and to fill you up with everything. If you'll, if you'll learn to operate your life as, in a spirit-filled way, a, to live a spirit-filled life, you'll operate in the highest capacity possible. You'll, you'll live life, other believers will look at you and go, how do you do that? Why does that work for you and it doesn't work for me? And again, people don't like that. They're like, well, well God's no respecter of persons. Yeah, he's not. That's why he gave everybody the Holy Spirit. And I'm trying to teach you and put in you, and over the next few weeks, obviously I'm already out of time today, so, so I'm trying to, to, listen, don't miss, don't, I, I don't want you to miss any Sunday, but make a point to listen, come ready to take notes, come on Wednesday nights, because I'm going to try to put everything I've learned about who the Holy Spirit is, how he helps us, and how he can help you. 
I want you, just like Paul did at Ephesus, I want you to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to walk around and go, man, I am unstoppable. I am, man, God, God has put so much in me. I can, I can do this. I can overcome this. I can, man, I, that when, see, when you get full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. And so when you get full of that Spirit, it provides a spiritual cockiness in you. Am I right, Brother Darrell? Where you're just like, you know what? Come on, Satan, throw your best shot. That's your best punch? And I, and I know that might, see, you might sound, man, like, that, that doesn't sound right. God wants you to live like that? Okay. That's a valid question. How about when Jesus walked the earth? Did he get beat up by the devil? Did the, did the devil, because people say all the time, oh, the devil's giving it to me today. Like they're excited about what the devil's doing. Oh, man. Oh, you should have seen. I had H-E-double-L last week. Well, why'd you live in hell all week? As soon as the devil attacked Jesus, full of the Spirit. Notice, if you look at the sequence of events, Jesus was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, led to temptation for 40 days, filled with the Holy Spirit. Satan tempted him three times and he was done. And the Bible says he left for a more opportune time. And the only time he came back was when uh, Jesus yielded himself. Jesus gave up his spirit, which I covered last week. That was the opportune time when Jesus said, okay, I have to do this. My time here on earth is done. He yields his spirit. And that's when he gave up his life. He, the Bible says he gave up the ghost. So can you, the, let me give you another scripture. Jesus told his disciples, greater works will you do Greater works will you do than what I've done because I'm leaving, because you'll have the Holy Spirit, because you'll have what I'm describing to you today, the paraclete, the helper, counselor, advocate, standby and strengthener, because he's coming, you'll have everything you need to do what you're called to do. One of the things that I want to do is cover the gifts of the Spirit in this season. And when you cover all that, you'll see there are giftings some of the giftings you already have in you and you don't even realize it. You, have, you, you do things by the leading of the Spirit and you don't even realize it. And then other, other, other ones of us, we're so new to, be, new, new to being a Christian, new to serving God, you need to know, okay, how does the Holy Spirit operate? What are these gifts? How do these giftings work in us? Amen? I'm going to read this one more thing and then we're going to close. You guys can, can come up. Help me close. I got to about 20% of my notes, so praise God for that. Amen. Also in Acts 8, in Acts 8, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive. Say it again, say receive. That they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. So again, a group in Samaria received the word of God. Then they, Peter, who was it? 
Peter and John were sent to them, the ones who believed, who had received the word. When they had come, they prayed for those individuals that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they, Peter and John, laid their hands on them and they received. Say it again, say receive. They received the Holy Spirit. Pretty powerful, right? There's a receiving that happens. There's a receiving that you have to do. Now, here's what I believe that's for today. Everybody stand up. Here's what I want to do today. I, I want to prep you because you have to get, think about it like this. This is what the Lord kind of showed me this week as I was prepping for this. Inside of you, actually, I'm going to back up, back up even further. You're a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Very important for you to understand that. You are a spirit. That's who you are. You are a spirit. You have a soul. That's your mind, will, and emotions. You live in a body. Now, when the Holy Spirit fills you up, what part of you does he fill? Your spirit. He doesn't fill your mind. God's not a mind. He's not, he's not a flesh. He's a spirit. God is spirit and he is truth. That's what the Bible tells he is. That's what he is. So when he fills you up, it's from the inside. So one of the things you have to get out of your way is your flesh. And the second thing you have to do is alter your understanding. So you have to have your mind renewed to the Word of God, which is what I was trying to do today, is to set you up and introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. Just like you'd go to a business meeting and you're about to do business with such and such, and they say, hey, this is Bob. Bob owns this company. Bob, this is Jim. Jim owns this company. And they connect them together. And then Bob and Jim introduce Mark. And Mark introduces Mike. And then they they all introduce each other to different business people because they didn't know each other. And, and because you might not have known, you just knew of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Like you just know, like, okay, he exists, but you don't know he's a person. And he wants to fill you up. I'm trying to move those things out of the way so that you can allow your spirit to be full. Amen? The first thing I have to do is I have to make sure that you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Because that's the first step. If you don't know Jesus, meaning that you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've you've been saved, the Bible says. If you haven't done that, then the Holy Spirit has no place to dwell. He has no place to dwell. So the first thing we're going to do is this. I want to open the floor right now to those who need to make things right with Jesus. You need to commit or rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. That's the first thing we're going to do. All right. And then over the coming weeks, we're going to continue to talk more about how to have the Holy Spirit help you in your life. But if you don't know Jesus, it's moot. You've got to know that I am saved. I've made Jesus my Lord and Savior. He's number one in my life. I, he's, he's, he's made me new on the inside. My spirit has been regenerated. I am new. And the Holy Spirit comes in. Then, as we just read in Acts 19 and Acts 8, We'll ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Amen? And I'm going to do that today. 
So real quick, I want to do this. If there's anybody in this room.